Bob, would you mind opening with a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day to meet together with like-minded Christians and explore your word. Open our ears to hear the word and receive a blessing from it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Usual sign of <coughs> drainage, but I'll try to be loud enough to be understood. Uh, like to uh, kind of a little bit as a way of review. Uh, I believe Pastor John said something about all of us had a creed, whether we knew we had a creed or not. And almost all churches and organizations have a creed. So I'm guilty of uh, in my early uh, business life, being in church, joining JCs. JCs had a creed, and when you say that over and over and over again for about 10 years, you know, you'll begin to remember it. And, uh, but in a slight slide off of that, it's, it's, uh, the creed is supposed to be, if it's what you believe, it's also supposed to be what you do what you act out, right? So, uh, if you're walking along and you see a $150 bill laying there, um, what do you do with that? <laughs> you know, as a youngster, finders, winners, <laughs> losers, and the one that dropped it, right? You know, so... Finders keepers, right? So, or I read an article recently where somebody found a significant amount of money, carried it, and turned it in till somebody was identified had lost it. So, I'm glad I haven't been tempted greatly. But I was at a meeting, and the fellow said, "You know, I was walking through the parking lot, and I saw a five dollar bill, and I reached down, I I just picked it up, and then I remembered." Reading that they put the drugs on them, it'll kill you. So you guys better leave it laying up, you know, because I didn't, it didn't kill me, but <laughs> but they lace it with this uh, drugs and it can actually, you can actually get enough on it to make you, you know, pretty bad shape. So <clears throat> whatever you hear today, one of uh, Greg's favorites, R.C. Sproul, the book I'm using as a reference. And on the shoe uh, paper that John gave us, my subject is In God the Father Almighty. So, first thing I did was go to the concordance and I looked up Almighty. So, if you all want to take notes, you can take notes. It's not a, not a big deal one way or the other. I'm not going to say anything that you don't already know today, but I'm going to remind you of things you know. So this, this concordance and my newest Bible that I'm using is not extensive, so there are only a few of them. Genesis 17, 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. So uh, that definitely uh, comes from the author 
the author says it, then we want to believe it. And in the in the creed, we're reminded of where that Jesus descended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. So the writers of the creed that put it together felt like it was worth repeating, which is a principle of a Bible study. If you see it over and over again, it must be kind of important. And we'll get to that a little more. In Genesis 35, 11, which we had not long ago, of course, in relation to Jacob, and God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply a nation, and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. And Job has three references, 517. Behold, blessed is the one whom God reproves, therefore despise not the discipline of the Almighty. And in chapter 6, verse 4, he says, For the arrows of the Almighty are in me. My spirit drinks their poison. The terrors of God are arrayed against me. And in 40, verse 2, when he comes a little more to his senses, he says, God says to him, Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who, he who argues with God, let him answer it. In other words, if you're smart enough to argue with God, you, will, you can tell God something, right? <laughs> this ain't going to happen. Uh, oh. Psalm 91.1 He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And since it's from beginning to end in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And in Revelation 21, 22, and I saw no temple in the city, for the temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb of, and the Lamb. So that's uh, I was thinking that there was supposed to be an emphasis on the Almighty. But after reading the chapter and reading scriptural references, I will say that God the Father has many more references in your concordance. And it has a lot of references to us earthly fathers who are supposed to be uh, following our heavenly father's instructions. But I decided to look up the J.C. Creed since I want to try to emphasize a couple of points from last week about everybody having a creed. So I, I Googled it and I got this so I'll read you the creed and I'll tell you a little about the author. It says, we believe that faith in God gives meaning and purpose to human life, that the brotherhood of man transcends the sovereignty of nations, that economic justice can best be won by free men through free enterprise, that government should be of laws rather than of men, that earth's great treasure lies in human personality and that service to humanity 
is the best work of life. And so all those years, I didn't, I became president. I won statewide awards, our chapter did, but I was president. We probably fudged a little because I didn't have the highest ethics. Uh, I told them we had tombstone members. <laughs> you know, you, you don't take people off the road, you just keep adding to it. So you have a big growth in membership or whatever. But in 1946, this fellow William Brownfield, who had been attending the United States Junior Chamber National Convention in Wisconsin, went home saying, every organization needs a creed. So he began to work on that and he wrote it in 1946 and it was adopted. And when it was first adopted, it didn't include the first line. In 1950, the first line was added that the faith in God gives meaning and purpose to human life. And, and I, that was one of really being a Presbyterian and active in my church and all that. I thought, this makes it good. But when my boss said, you need to go do this, it wasn't a question of me deciding to go do this. It was, uh, it was leadership development for young bankers. So I decided, well, I'm going to read a little more of this article. And so this article was nine pages long uh, on, on my little gadget that I read on. <laughs> and so here's what he says about the first article. Remembering what John said last week, if you can. God here does not refer to any specific religious God, but to a supreme omnipotence. It does not matter who or what your God is. The line is just saying that you must believe in something. Brownfield interpreted in this way. The junior chamber membership drawn from many religious backgrounds is united by a common bond of faith that man lives by the will of his or her God, that God's will for man is good, and that the life worthwhile, worthwhile is lived in harmony with his eternal plan. I call that common grace. Even if you don't know God, but you somehow absorbed from society something about God, he must have been around some Presbyterian somewhere along the way because he, uh, but, but I think what we were talking about last week was the fact that, that we went through a period of time and, and this is in the, in the book uh, about Sproul in the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, long in there we came along with this idea that I, through anthropology and digging up ruins of every society that's had a religious bent and they believed in some deity. And so we had in Asheville, where we were living when I was a JC, a really nice church, but it wasn't really a church. <laughs> it was uh, the Universalist, give me the name again. Unitarian. Unitarian, right. The Unitarian. And, you know, you can believe anything or nothing. You know, it's, it's just all the same. Uh, be a nice guy or something. I don't know. I didn't ever explore it, but I didn't, even though you live through something, you don't always know what's happening around you. You knew more people were not going to church, maybe. <laughs> it used to be something along that line. So, uh, it is an affliction 
of the world <laughs> that uh, we have this uh, freedom from being told what to do to the point to where we want to decide for ourselves everything and don't pay much attention to the authorities. Our respect for authority is, is greatly diminished. And so in my family, generations that have come along so far, you know, I think they fit what I have read that if we insist on setting our own standards, we're going to miss God's standards if we don't know God's standards. And so, uh, <coughs> So, going back to the creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Uh, that uh, is a is a big uh, is a big subject. But why do we believe in the Father? How is God our Father? And uh, it's obviously important. Uh, Jesus taught his disciples to start their prayer with our Father who art in heaven. So he, uh, we, we consider him our elder brother, but he got his sonship by being the Son of God. So we all know we're not the Son of God or Son of God or daughter of God through genealogy. So uh, we all remember Nicodemus. So Nicodemus had to try to understand regeneration. And it was a hard concept. Can I go in the womb and be born again? We'll know. We'll know. So uh, Sproul talked about the age of Aquarius and a song, Let There Be Peace on Earth. With God as our Father, brothers all are we. Let me walk with my brother. I remember the Coca-Cola ads. All y'all remember those Coca-Cola ads? I want to teach the world to sing. <laughs> oh boy, that was catchy. And it sounded so good. And part of what the JCs are saying, you know, these nations are just getting in the way of us all acting like brothers and sisters, you know, and just being one big happy family and all of us doing good. We, Use our freedom to uh, do, make our lives better and help our neighbors, which is kind of what a Christian is supposed to do, right? You work hard and you share. You leave some in the corner of the field if you're a Jew in, in, that, in that age. And uh, so when you consider this fatherhood, Uh, I don't know any better place than uh, John 6. And so, repetition. John, John's preached on it because I made a note of this. So, but if you begin about verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. 
45, it's written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. And he points out, no one seen the Father except the one who came from God. That's Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, verse 47, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the luck, the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. I'll leave off there and let John preach again on the eating the flesh and drinking the blood. But we'll drop on down and says 40, 57. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not as the Father's ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. We're going to keep on over about verse uh, 61. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no avail. So just to briefly comment back on the they were set aside by the eating of the flesh and drinking of the blood. Here he says the flesh is of no avail. So what he's trying to lead us to understand is we had a physical life when we came into this world, but we were dead in spirit. And we have to have a spiritual life in order to be his brother. So the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But these are, there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And after this, many of the disciples went away and then dropping down. He asked the twelve, do you want to go as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, no. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus answered them, did I not choose you? So, I don't know how many times he has to say it's for us to get it. This is why I told you, no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. So it's kind of like if you don't accept Genesis, you know, you're kind of wasting your time reading the rest of the book. In the beginning. So that was uh, the most important thing that I could find there. You know, over and over, as Jesus 
taught his disciples. Uh, he reminded them there was one Father in heaven, and he, when he tells us, you know, not to say we have a Father, but Father in heaven, that's in his spiritual life. I mean, he never said break the commandments and dishonor your parents because that's pretty strong in the Ten Commandments. I must be in my father's house. We heard about that uh, often when his parents couldn't find him and they wondered what happened to him. He, he, he mentioned his father there. On the cross, Father, forgive them. Uh, he said that he came to do his father's will. And when he chased him out of the temple, my father's house should be a house of prayer. So I uh, take up a little more time if you want to hear some more spoon. The uh, people can get into theology and he brought this out that they can try to figure out some way to uh, confuse I guess the definition of God and omnipotence in, in everybody's uh, teaching I guess about God the Father is one of the characteristics and then so well is there anything in there says there's nothing too hard for God but you can try to come up with some kind of trick question, you know, this, uh, to do that. And uh, he points out that there are things that God cannot do. He can't lie. Makes him a lot different than me. Uh, he he is uh, cannot be imperfect, and I'm imperfect every day. <laughs> I got ground in the coffee, if you know what I mean. Uh, he can't go back on his word. So he's nothing like us. Except that he made us and he wants us to uh, be his image bearers. Uh, Sproul says the best way to look at this is that God is in control of his creation and exercises dominion over it. He also talked about it one of the names that the Jews like to use was El Shaddai. And that different ways to understand that a little bit, but the one that, who overcomes and most of us are, I gave you a little bit from Psalms, but in, in, in Psalm 2, uh, way, but there are a couple things about God that in Scripture, one about Him singing. I, uh, I think that's a wonderful talk. Uh, if you get happy and want to sing, you know, I mean, you, you think you're going good. Uh, too bad they took Song of the South off of accepted uh, the spirituals uh, from that era kept people from 
probably committing suicide. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. So again, back to Job. If you if you're smart enough to contend with God in a logical discussion, you'd be God. So that's the God that we say by the creed over and over again. I believe in God the Father Almighty. Any additions? Please. I read something recently that talks about the society that we see now who wants to claim that God could be the mother instead of just the father. And so I'm sure the, well, no, I shouldn't say that, but imagine what the those people who wrote this, what they would think today, you know, see it in full-blown action. People trying to diminish God as um, masculine, judgmental, you know, because he has to be. So I, I never thought of that. And so when I say it, it, it when we say it, it brings it up. It brings it to the front that, yes, we're talking about um, a father figure. Well, and, and obviously, as human beings, we are language limited. We really can't speak as God speaks. Because when he spoke, he created and all of that. So in the Bible, there are... <coughs> Scriptures that attribute to God, like the mother hen over her brood and things like that. So I don't think we have to go very far in that direction at all, but we do know that people who are seeking to divide uh, and destroy faith, they want to rewrite the Bible to say it's okay for a man to marry a man and a woman to marry a woman. So the language of the Bible has gotten massaged, so some of us don't want the new international version because we question whether it is holding to the original documents that we have. And so there's a whole lot more that we, that we can agree on and we have to spend time disagreeing on, but uh, it's, it's a good point. People do uh, tend to want, want to do something. And I can remember as a youngster, my dad being so upset about the seminary in Decatur because they were turning out people who didn't believe at all, you know. And then 20 years later, oh, they got a pastor down here, Kelly Presbyterian Church, that says that uh, Christ couldn't have been born of a virgin. There's no such thing, you know. So, you know, it's kind of like, these are myths, not realities. And so it's why we 
stick to the historicity of the Bible. If it says it, it probably happened, and over time, archaeology has proven that things happen that are talked about in the Bible. Uh, That's why it cites, why I think it cites in the creed who, who was involved at the time in leadership in the world that, that Jesus lived in. It's the whole patriarchal society thing. We have the, the gender-neutral fab that uh, they, they want to deny a patriarchal uh, established that you see all through nature. Yes, and you know, I don't know that much history, so I'm speaking here now as an ignorant person. But in the time of the, uh, the Hebrews, in the Old Testament, and there were nomads and people war, people <coughs> war over the sheep and the goats and over the territory and, and grazing and all that. It was just a whole different world. When Jesus came, he went a little further with almost all of these things, you know, so that we all stand on level ground. Man and woman at the foot of the cross, and we're, we're all all the same. So women's status, you know, I mean, obviously Paul says a lot about these people being helpers of his during the time that he was here. So we all have a role given to us, I think, in the Christian life. And, uh, so I don't, uh, I don't, don't think any of us need to try to be the dictator, right? Uh, but anyway, I'm going to ask John to dismiss us. Let's go have some donuts and coffee and juice and fruit. And Greg was fixing to give me a amen over here. Or I was on the wrong track. <laughs> well, that's uh, very pleasant, Greg. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. Lord Almighty, we do thank you that your power is greater than ours. We come and use ours all the time, and yet you are perfect in your ways. Thank you that you are not as powerful as you are Father. We can come to and adopt the children, your sons. Press me through zones in our lives this week. May we cause, may, may you cause us to trust you more and to go to you more in our weakness. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.